0: Good morning, the Father's house. Come on. He woke us up this morning. There's something to praise God for this morning. Come on. He deserves the highest praise. Oh, I think we're ready about to have church this morning. Come on. Oh, it's an honor. We love, when I say my husband, we say we love, we love your pastors. Pastor Marlies Pierre, they are special to us. You know we call them our pastors um, we are just and um, just we just love them so much and so um, I'm grateful they entrust me while they're away to preach on their platform so that means I can say whatever I want to say just joking no I'm gonna steward it well and so um, this morning I want to show a picture of my family if you can put it up that's my beautiful family my husband Andrew of 16 years that we've been married And my oldest, I have a high schooler, oh my word. Yes, I had him at 12, no, I'm just joking. But um, he's 14, my middle son, Noah, he is 12. And listen, my little princess, my daughter, she was born New Year's Eve, she's our party baby. She was born 11.37 p.m. right before midnight. So we say we love to party with her, and so it's an honor um, to mother them and be the wife of my husband, and so, that's my cute little family (laughs) and um, you guys have been in a series of the Beatitudes and I get the honor to preach on mercy this morning and man Pastor Pierre did a brilliant job last week preaching on meekness come on yes he's such a prolific and amazing teacher and so I cannot wait to just give you some nuggets and so before I start I just want to pray with you this morning God I thank you I thank you so much that you saw fit that we'd be here today at this moment, Lord. God, we thank you. We love you so much that you cared to die on a cross thousands of years ago for us. That you knew our name, Lord. And so, God, I pray that I will hide behind your cross, Lord. I pray that someone will be impacted by the word you've downloaded in my heart, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. I like people to talk back to me when I'm speaking. So come on. Listen, we have been in a crazy, absolutely a weird season with this pandemic. Would you say? Crazy. 2020 was an interesting year, and so um, my husband and I we thought let's you know let's get away from the kids. You know, three kids, you need a break sometime. Hello, somebody. And so in March of 2020, we went on vacation. We went to Atlanta. We thought it's going to be an amazing break. Well, something that I thought turned amazing turned into a nightmare. We were at some really good friends, or actually our overseers of our church, and we started discussing some things and things that kind of started to unravel over. We've had some issues. Can, can I, is it okay that pastors being honest? Yes. Come on. We had some issues and it started coming up and we started talking about things and things kind of got a little ugly and tight up there that we were not happy with certain things. And so that trip turned into a place of um, actually where it, was, it became very hard, but it was a place of breakthrough. We came undone leaders you know even though we led the church we just came undone things that we didn't dealt with and so how many how many you know in order to get a breakthrough there needs to be a breaking and people are asking for the breakthrough oh I want a breakthrough I want a breakthrough but are you ready for the breaking in the breakthrough and a lot of times when we envision about breakthrough we think that it's just a straight through sometimes breakthrough is like chisel 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 you get through it until it falls apart and we were at that part we were at the last part we were falling apart but when we were falling apart we were just coming back together but what i did not know the week we were flying back home we were about to be in a global pandemic god put us in a personal pandemic to prepare us for a global pandemic how do you know sometimes we cannot relate to people until we've been that place And so because we were in a personal pandemic, we were able to extend so much mercy and grace to people in that season. So with that, I said, thank you, Jesus, for that personal pandemic, because we were able to connect with people that I was never able to connect before. And that's what mercy is. And the scripture that I'm speaking from today is Matthew 5, 7, and it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy you ask the question how does the heart become merciful your heart becomes merciful when you get to a place of spiritual bankruptcy when you feel like lord i cannot pray another prayer i'm tired when are you going to come through when then you ask god you cry out lord i need you i need mercy in that season or when you have a sin in your life and you're grieving over the sin and you want breakthrough you're like lord help me That's where we get to see a heart of that has mercy. And often, I say often, we have amnesia that we need, we needed our sin annihilated as well. How many times we look out and we see people sin, like, oh, you did that, you did this. But a lot of times we're looking at the window, but we need to be looking in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, you see the reflection of us. And sometimes we need to see the ugly side of our hearts of who we are in order to extend mercy to other people that actually need it as well. Listen, you never graduate from grace. You never graduate from grace. And so it's so important to recognize where you need a savior yourself. And so I never want to have amnesia. I want to never forget where God called me from. Because we all have a story. We all have a BC life, let's be honest, a before Christ life, if you know what I'm saying. Not gonna tell my story today. (laughs) But we know that sometimes we can really understand people when we empathize with them, knowing that we've been somewhere also in our lives. And you know, mercy, mercy comes from mercy. Our mercy to each other comes from ultimately a God of mercy. And that's where we come. And so what is mercy or what is a merciful person? Mercy is a place where you can show pity, empathy when people are in need. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Come on, somebody. And sometimes when we're going to define something, sometimes it's really good to look at the opposite. So I'm going to look at some scriptures to illustrate the opposite of mercy. And a great place to land is in Matthew and Luke. And let's look first at Matthew 9, 10 to 13. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, Go and learn what this means. And he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Come on. There we see that our Lord Jesus, he desires us to have mercy and not sacrifice. In this, he's he's quoting from um, Hosea 6.6, where it says, that it's like people's love. It's like the dew like the, on the grass. It's here today, gone tomorrow, here for the first hour, and all we have left in, the, in Hosea was the offerings. God is not looking for religious robots just to get things done like the, 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 um, the Pharisees and the Jews, just to do what's in the law. But he wants us to release mercy to others. When you have robots, they have no opportunity. They can get the job done, but there's no way to show the affection. God's not calling you just to do things, to do, knock things off your to-do list. He wants you to have a heart of mercy. And we think about the opposite of mercy is sacrifice. Sacrificing is great. But sacrificing, you look what you are obligated to do. And some of you are like, you know, I want to join the dream team here. I want to serve. I want to be a volunteer. Maybe I want to serve. I want to sacrifice my sonny to serve in the kids' ministry to deal with the rugrats. You know what, I'm gonna sacrifice my sleeping on a Sunday morning to come to serve. I'm gonna sacrifice where I could be somewhere else. But who knows that when you sacrifice, that's just, it's great, but that's just the minimum. But when you have mercy, you recognize people have names. And so when he talked about the tax collectors, each tax tax collector and even sinner had a name kids in our kids ministry have a name they just don't want you just to sacrifice your time to serve them punch in and punch out they have names they are the next generation how do you know our, the holy spirit is not junior he comes whole they need the gospel preached to them and so they need to extend mercy and i think about zacchaeus he was a tax collector he got mercy from jesus and how do you how about you how many of you know that the enemy will call you by your sin but God calls you by your name. The enemy will call you by your sin, but God will call you by your name. And remember that when we're trying to think about extending mercies. God wants something in your heart. He doesn't want you just to do things. And here in Matthew 9, Jesus saw sinners that were sick and miserable that needed a physician. And I love that. Jesus sees our needs. Even though you think people that have money, they have affluent, they still need a savior. No matter social economic, you still need a savior. And so here the Pharisees with their natural eye only saw ceremonial problems that was being contaminated by eating with the sinners. They were not used to being, um, they were used to being implementer of the law instead of being intimate vulnerable and being in proximity of the healer of all things they were enslaved to the trivial issues of ceremonial cleanliness when there was an external sickness about to be healed the opposite of mercy is religious trivia the small things sometimes block us another contrast let's look at another illustration in in Matthew 23 24 and it says woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Oh my, some serious words. He's not playing around here. For you to tithe mint, dill, cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters. Say weightier matters. Of the law, justice, and mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out the gnat and swallowing a camel. What does that mean? Swallowing the camel. You know, back in the day, you know, the devout Jews, they were so religious and legalistic. When they would have a glass of water, they would take um, a cloth and strain out to make sure there was no insects getting in the water. Because in the Levitical law, I talked about you cannot eat anything that had connecting, um, hopping legs. And they wanted to be making very sure they didn't accidentally ingest any unclean insect to uh, violate the law. But, you know, when they, when they talk about, you know, that and they compare it to the camel, we're okay sometimes, um, we're okay gulping down some major issues like oppression, lust, deceit. And that's what he's comparing here. You have, you're putting all the energy, all the pain to strain out some things from a little insect, but you're easy to eat up the sin in your life. How many of you focus so much on the, the minute things in life? And you're like, but Lord wants to work on the, thin, the sin in your life. Maybe your heart is hardened by things. Maybe you're dealing with porn addiction. I don't know. But you're not, dealing with, you're not willing to spend the time to work out that sin or get deliverance for that. But you're easy trying to work out, you know, figure out how to get your nails done. I don't know. I don't know the thing that it seems so um, annoying for you, but you're not spending the time. The lesson we can learn from the words of Jesus, when he says, desire mercy, not sacrifice, when he says you to strain out the gnat and swallow the camel, is that a great obstacle, an enemy to mercy, is the preoccupation with trifling things in life. The bondage is trivial, or sometimes insignificant, is the curse of the unmerciful, When Jesus says, don't neglect the witty matters of love, he means beware not getting involved or being aware of what's going on in the small things. Tomorrow's Monday morning. It's another Monday. It's a mundane. Don't get focused on, oh, man, laundry again? I have three kids and a husband. I understand that. Oh, making lunches. I hate making lunches, if you know me about kids. But we're putting all the energy, we're tired, we're like, how can I make a better lunch? We're putting all the energy. It's so easy to focus on those small things instead of the weightier things of life like mercy. It says here, blessed are the merciful. If you wanna be blessed, you have to get in the ring and make sure you fight those small things. What are you fighting in the ring that needs to be removed and changed out? and fight, 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 start fighting bigger things in the ring versus spending the time focusing on Netflix, scrolling, but maybe you need to work some things in the, your spirit and your heart. Make it a point to dedicate your life to the weight of your things of the matter like the law, justice, and mercy. Mercy is no small thing. That's what I believe. If I could title this message, I would say mercy is no small thing. Another great illustration in the scripture we see is a good Samaritan in Luke 10 25. Let's read that for a moment. It says and behold a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying teacher what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said, Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by, the ch- now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, say Samaritan, as he journeyed and came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, He went to him and bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took him to Denari and gave him to the innkeeper saying, take care of him, whatever you spend, I will repay you and I will come back. Which of the three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And he said to him, go and do likewise. This verse is relevant when it says, blessed are the merciful for it shall receive mercy. Here we see a Samaritan that's opposite from the person that was almost um, gotten by the robber. He reflects here mercy. And so I wanna show four aspects of mercy in this parable. First, he sees distress. In verse 33, the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and he saw him. When is the last time you saw somebody, that you took a moment and you paused to see them? We live in this crazy, busy world. We're always rushing to the next, to the next, to the next. When you're driving, you see someone, their tar is blown up, do you stop? Do you see them? When you're at work, even, I don't know if you guys are still doing Zoom meetings, but you see someone's kind of down, do you see them? Or you're like, I just want to get this meeting over with. I'm tired of Zoom, hello. But do you see them? The Samaritan sees the man. And secondly, mercy responds eternally with a heart of compassion or pity towards a person in distress. In verse 33, it says, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. In the Greek, in the Bible, this is word, I won't say it because I'll mess up the word, but it talks about compassion comes from the bowels, the deep parts of you that makes you move into action, into compassion. When it talks about the bowels, and I have a question, when's the last time you had a spiritual bowel movement? Yeah, we went there today. But when you have to go, you gotta go. You can't just stay there, you gotta move. That's how compassion needs to be in your life. It makes you to move, to go. When's the last time you feel like, I, I, I gotta help this person, I see they're in distress, I gotta do something, what can I do? Have you had that urgency lately? And I think about as Christians, we need to be compassionate. But there's too many Christians that there are, are constipated Christians. They're struggling to have that compassion in their spirit. Too many, you know, when you're constipated, you're dehydrated sometimes. Too many Christians are dehydrated. They have no Holy Ghost, no Holy Spirit. They're not spending the it fi- in their face with Jesus in their word so things can move a little smoother. Right? So I ask him, when's the last time you had a BM? <laughs> that sounds, it sounds better, right? <laughs> <laughs> when's the last time you felt that urgency to help that person, even though it's going to interrupt what you're doing? And a lot of times I always say this, interruptions are invitation to serve God's people. When's the last time you've been interrupted, but you're so busy, you're like, I don't have time for that. And so here he sees him. He had the heart of compassion. Thirdly, he responds externally with a practical effort to relieve the distress. In verse 33 and onward, he says, he went to him, bound up his wounds. He poured oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. Your response to someone's distress can relieve them. And I think a lot of times when we think about helping people, we always think we have a lack of resources. But this Samaritan says, what do I already have in my hand that I can help the man in distress? He had some oil, he had some wine. What do you already have that you can help someone? You're like, maybe I don't have the resources, I don't have money. But do you have some time when someone's in grief just to hear them, to give them a hug, Maybe you have a bad, bad banana bread that you can make <laughs> that you can just give someone. I don't know what it is. But a lot of times, we're always looking around thinking, giving excuses, but we already have it in our hand that God has for us. And so I challenge you, what do you have in your hand that you can help and give mercy when you see someone in distress? It doesn't have to be a lot. And I, I follow this girl on Instagram. Hello, Instagram. You know, has a lot of great things. But there's a girl named Maddie James, and she always says, People are not looking for deep, they're looking for deliberate. People just want to know they've been seen. That you know that you, can, they see, you see them. That when they're missing in their, in their small group, that you saw me, that I've been gone for two weeks, I've been struggling, I've been home depressed, but you saw me, you put a phone call, you text me. When I'm tired and I feel like you haven't seen my kids dropping out, but you know that maybe I'm having trouble with my youth, that you called, you got your kid to call my kid, you see me. When we're in the body of Christ, we need to see us, each other. We're not here to look cute, to show up on a Sunday morning just to see great songs, but we're here to do life together. That's what we're called to, life. And the fourth part that we see the the dimensions of mercy is that it happens even, um, mercy happens even when the person in distress is by religion, race, or an enemy. This Samaritan was a half breed Jew with warped religious traditions stopped to help a Jew that hated him. When's the last time you paused and you saw someone that you don't like, they've been gossip, uh, gossiping about you, talking behind your back, didn't even give it back the money they owed you, come on. but they were in a situation of distress. And did your compassion get stirred up to help them? And this season that we've been in with all the things in the news and like, you know, social and cultural things happening, if someone doesn't look like you, are you willing to help them? Have you been to the grocery store? And you know, the hater in high school when you were a geek and now you're sleek. You go out there and you see you see them in the in the grocery store and they go to pay for their grocery, then it gets denied. Are you willing to pull out to cover them in mercy and say, I got you, even though you hurt me back in high school at this place? But have you extended even though they, they might have hurt you, they've sinned against you. But the God in you wants to respond to the sin in them. And my Bible says, love. Um, covers a multitude of sins. I want to have the heart of the father. I want to follow what God has for me. I want to live how he lives. I don't want to live in the flesh because when I realize when I live in the flesh, it gets me in trouble every single time. I never went living in the flesh or having a carnal mind, but I want a mind of compassion, not of carnality. So the opposite of mercy in this parable is the sacrifice that he did. Mercy is one of the weighty matters of life. It's no small thing, nor is it easy to do when you're living in the flesh. A lot of times it's pushing you to do things that you don't really want to do. And so we ask ourselves: what is mercy? Mercy is giving pity and having empathy on people that don't deserve it. And mercy is letting you see things that you would never see. You ask the question how do we know when to extend justice and when to extend mercy? When people have hurt you. You know, people will have consequences for the decisions that they made, but when a person, when you have a heart of mercy, when you see when you see that person or your child that disobeyed, they got into the flower, they got into the Vaseline, they poured everything out, you told them not to do it and they did it anyways, they will get in trouble. They might get a spanking, they might get disciplined, but you know what, I'm gonna hug them after, I still love you. Maybe you have an employee at a job. You're 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 a, um, a leader. You're a boss, and your um, employee is just not up to par. And maybe you have to have a talking. Maybe they get a point on their review. But mercy will say, even though I have to give you a discipline or consequence, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sign you up for some training, so you can do better. And that's what mercy does. It doesn't neglect justice but it still has mercy you know you have mercy you feel it you don't want that to happen to the person but there is mercy that you want to cover them to make sure you know that you still care for them even though they might get the consequence you know we always want to look in the bible as black and white bible tell me everything should i do this or not should i not do this the bible is not black and white it is there for you to build character You know, the Bible here, it says, um, the Beatitudes says, blessed are the merciful, not blessed are those who know exactly what to do in all circumstances. We must be merciful people, even when we act with sincerity in the service of justice. That is why we must be poor in spirit, sorrowful for all our own sin, meekly free from the defensiveness and self-exaltation hungering and thirsty for all that is right to be done, perceptive of the personal distress and misery of others, feeling pity for their pain, and making every effort to see the greatness, greatest good done for the greatest number. And that's what's so important, that we see these things in every people's everyday life. Blessed are the merciful, it says, The merciful are those who, because they do to others as they want done to themselves, and because they have experienced God's merciful love, empathize and show compassion to others. Inherent in works of mercy is the self-denying virtue of entering into the injustice and tragedies experienced by others. Mercy is no small thing. It's called... It's concrete actions of love, compassion, and sympathetic grace to those who are oppressed or to those who have sinned. Mercy sees distress, but grace deals with the sin. And so today, I want to leave you with this. I want to remind you, where can you extend mercy in your life? Where can you see distress in your own life or in other people to give that mercy? And where can I have a bowel movement? (laughs) Where can I have compassion? Where do I need to change my heart of stone to have a heart of flesh? That I can actually not be numb to the things and the cares of this world. But I wanna have that heart of compassion that God calls us to. And what do I have in my hand that I already can extend to somebody? might not be deep, but I want to be deliberate. And lastly, how can I extend mercy to my enemies? That's the gospel right there. That's the gospel right there. We had a Savior, but we were enemies with him. But he came down. He saw us. He had compassion in a heart, in his heart. And he used a cross that was already there. And he used a borrowed tube, come on, if I can preach the gospel. But even though we were enemies of him, he came and saved us. And so I leave you with mercy is no small thing. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, for loving us, Lord. I thank you that you showed such great mercy to us, Lord. When we were foes of you, when we were enemies of you, you still loved us, God. Thank you. Thank you for your great example, but also doing it in the flesh. Thank you. God, I pray for that person that is struggling with the small things, the gnats, but they have easy, easy time eating deceit, oppression, lust. God, stir up something in their spirits give them the strength of obedience that they can walk out the things that you you have for them lord god i ask that they will trust you they will lean into you they will not under trust their own understanding but they will acknowledge you in all their ways in this new direction of trying to walk in mercy lord god Be with our enemies, Lord. Give us the strength when we see them afar off that we can still love them. Maybe from a distance, but we can extend grace and mercy. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for loving us, Lord. We thank you for providing every need. There is nothing too hard for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen.